This just in. Aaron Rodgers bought a tube of toothpaste. I need a camera crew at the darkness retreat. Pronto. According to my sources. Think about Aaron Rodgers to the Raiders for a second. This is Rodgers Watch 2023 on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. When it comes to me, they don't know All right, let's get into some Rodgers Watch. Greg Matzik has been on top of this for the past couple of weeks. All right, Greg, what are we doing today? Well, the GM is speaking at the scouting combine, which I think is interesting, uh, because really I think what you get from the GM in a situation like this is sort of a regurgitation of what he said toward the end of the season in a season-ending press conference. So we're still all playing this waiting game. I did find it interesting. Brian Gutekunst in Indianapolis this week at the scouting combine had an opening statement, like, as if that was going to eschew all the other questions people had about Aaron Rodgers. Here's, here's what Goody had to say to kick things off today. Before we get started here, I know there would be a lot of questions about Aaron. Um, just so you guys know, we haven't really had those conversations yet, so not, not a lot to report um, until we have those conversations. But with that, I'll take some questions. Yeah, that didn't really scare off the reporters in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Goody was asked about recent conversations, timeline, things of that nature, all stuff that's starting to get really interesting because the league year begins in about 15 days. Yeah, you know, we're going through our process as normal. Um, so, obviously, free agency's coming up here. That's an important uh, you know, part of what we're doing. So it would be nice to have some answers before then. But uh, until we have any conversations, we're, we're still in a good spot. And then the conversation spilled toward Jordan Love. I thought his comments about Love were very interesting. Pay close attention here. We're excited about him. You know, I think you know I've expressed to a lot of people that he needs to play. That's the next step in, in his progression. Uh, he needs to play. But uh, Jordan's done a great job. Worked really hard. Um, you know, so he's doing everything we're asking. He needs to play. That was the phrase that pays from Brian Gutekunst today. In fact, he said it twice. Gutekunst is telling a lot of people that Jordan needs to play. I don't know if you need to read between the lines there at all, but they certainly think they have two quarterbacks who can help them win next season, whether it's Aaron or Jordan. I think it's pretty direct. I think he wants Jordan Love to play. I mean, he said he needs to play. I think he wants him to play. I think so, too. And there have been some reports and discussions, John, from some of the talking heads that suggest if Aaron commits to a, a complete and full offseason, if he's bought in from day one to the end of the season, then yes, the Packers would be happy to have him back. But if he's going to compromise on that like he did last year, punting on the offseason, treating it like a joke after get, get, getting a $150 million contract, that Goody doesn't want any part of that. And I can't blame him either. So I, that'll be the next level of the conversation I think that needs to be had between Aaron and Goody if Aaron decides he does want back. Oh, oh gosh. It's sort of like Zach Grenke calling his own pitches. You were just talking about that at spring training. Like, not everyone gets to call their own shots. And if you want to be part of a Super Bowl team, just do what it takes. Then be one of the two quarterbacks and collect your big paycheck and, and just join us and let's get there. You're right, and this is the truth. Patrick Mahomes lost his best receiver via trade. He got the game together and did some work in the offseason. Let him do a Super Bowl. No team aside of the Bears and Texans, the worst teams in the NFL, played more rookies last year than Kansas City, and they were able to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. Commitment from their quarterback. All right, Greg, thank you. Uh, all right, open up the phone lines. I'm going to give out the topic now, then we'll discuss it. Here's where I want to hear from somebody. Are you someone who recently retired and has gone back to work? Or was it not so recent? Are you a retired person who has gone back into the workforce, and why is that? The Old National Bank talking text lines, 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620. Did you retire? 
or did your spouse or partner retire and end up going back to work? Why is that? 855-616-1620, Old National Bank, get old. If you are someone who retired and then went back to work, or you're retired and are considering going back into the workforce, give us a call. I'd love to chat with you. The Old National Bank talk and text line is 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620, Old National Bank, get old. Uh, shoot us a text. Give us a call if you have retired and then gone back to work or are thinking about it. Here's why I ask. There's a recent study out that talked to folks across America about unretiring. They talked to only people who are currently retired. One in six retired Americans, one in six, said that they are mulling going back into the workforce. So one in six. Here are the number one reasons why. Top reasons cited by people surveyed were personal reasons. Number two was need more money. Number three was getting bored. Number four was they were feeling lonely. And number five, inflation. So two of the five reasons were related directly to money. People retired, and now they realize they need more money, and they're going to have to go back to work. Are you in this boat? Have you retired and you've gone back to work or you're thinking about it right now? The Old National Bank talking text lines 855-616-1620. We have a texter, 262, says, I retired early a number of years ago thinking that I was financially set for life, but the high cost of health care insurance and necessary out-of-pocket expenses due to an unanticipated chronic illness has meant I've been depleting my assets way faster than projected likely means I'm going to need to return to work even before reaching my normal retirement age of 66 and over. Yeah, I think that's what's happening, especially with the state of the economy, inflation. From the 414, I was going to retire June 1st at age 70. Can't afford it now, figuring maybe two years now at least. Are you in this situation? I would love to hear from you. The Old National Bank talk and text line is 855-616-1620. When I think about the survey and about the numbers, um, it makes me sad if someone has chosen to retire and needs to go back to work for a financial reason. If you retire and you want to go back because you're bored or because you find being retired isn't fulfilling, then I get that. If that's your choice, you know, good for you. If, if work is that rewarding that you want to go back. But if you are, like the survey suggests, in need of more money, of people say that they're considering going back because they need more money or because of inflation, which leads to needing more money. Mm -hmm. 45%. Those are really, really big numbers. And it kind of talks about where we are as a society. I mean, if you're feeling lonely, okay. If you're bored, all right, so you're bored. So you want to go back to work. (laughs) But I did find an interesting quote in some of the research that you and I were doing uh, that there was a quote that many people underestimate that even if you hate your job, it's a big part of who you are and and what you do. And when you take that away, it can be a big problem for people. Yep. Is the quote. And I just said, you know, we all gripe about our jobs at different times and certain coworkers who are making, you're aggravating you. And it's like, wow, when, when you don't have that and you're just at home and you don't have that social connection, that that is a loss of some sort. Yeah, it is. That's for sure. That you rhythm, know, and you that hear structure. athletes talk about how that's their identity. That's why they have such a hard time 
retiring and moving on and, and being done with it, and some of them vacillate and go back and forth, your job can easily become who you are as a person. From the 414 on the old National Bank talking text line, 855-616-1620. Talk about retiring. It is just boring not working. I have two part-time jobs, which is super simple. So that person unretired more again because of that getting bored and feeling lonely. Also from the 414, it's interesting. Average age at my part-time job is probably 58 years old. Hmm. I guess the way I feel about it is... And I love this job. I'm not planning to retire anytime soon. But when I'm done, I want to be done. I want to make sure that and unforeseen things can happen and that can change. Mm -hmm. You know, I I hope I'm not in that position. I hope that when I'm done, I'm in a in a well off in a financial position, but also in the right headspace that I know that I'm ready to be done, man, because when I'm done, I just want to be done. And that's not going to be for a long yeah, time. Like, but have I want a to be new done. chapter of your life. Right. Yeah. Have you retired and are considering unretiring? Give us a call. Give us a text. Old National Bank Talk and Text Line 855 616 1620. More texts. Uh, 414 was forced into retirement at age 60, but needed to go back to work because health insurance was $2,000 a month. Yep. Had to work until I reached Medicare. Yep. That happens a lot. I, I talked to a lot of people, a couple in this building that are in their young 60s. One, I just had a conversation with somebody who's 64 years old Mm -hmm. and doesn't want to retire because they need to wait till they can get to Medicare because health insurance is so expensive, it's so prohibitive that that will stop them from retiring. Uh, Gene in Lake Country, it was always my plan to retire at 62, but then find some meaningful volunteer work to do, keep me busy. Now that does not seem like a possibility. I will instead be working much longer. Yeah, that's where we're at. I mean, think about it. We have somebody here at work that retired a year and a half ago, and they were nervous about whether they had enough money to retire, whether they could afford to do so. Mm -hmm. They were on the fence. They were nervous. They thought it was kind of close, and they retired. And then the last year and a half, the stock market has gone down the toilet, and their retirement's been depleted. Those sort of people are having to go back into the workforce. And this is also uh, in the news today was the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, SNAP, uh, is ending, which was very helpful uh, to supplement people's food bills for the past couple of years. And that ends as of today. And that was helping people to the tune of $200 a month for right. some people. Uh, let's go to John and Lake Mills. John, good afternoon. You're on WTMJ. Tell us your situation. Uh, good afternoon. Hey. Well, I retired at 65 and as a mechanical engineer, and uh, I thought, well, I'm going to take it easy. But with medical problems, uh, prostate cancer, uh, dental, uh, diabetes, and all that, it's just gotten too expensive. And plus, my wife has also has some uh, problems with her uh, thing, and she's only a year younger than I am. I'm 73, and she's 72. So it's a little bit of everything, I guess. And uh, I don't mind going out and working. I, I'm a delivery driver for a parts store. And um, we also have some other younger, quote-unquote, drivers. And they don't care about having to do the job. They just want to get paid. They, they take their own sweet time and everything else, and we're on a time schedule. Hey, John, thank then, you very much for the, for the like, phone yeah. call, and good luck with your, with your health issues. I want to quickly get Mike in here, who's in Racine. Mike, good afternoon. Just got a few seconds. Uh, tell us about your situation. 
How are you doing, John? I don't have to work. I'm 77 years old. Just had a physical three weeks ago. Everything's right down the middle. Everybody thinks I'm uh, 58 to 60 and uh, working in construction nine months out of the year, even more. Look for part-time jobs after that. My wife loves it. She can travel and yeah. visit our kids out of state. Excellent, Mike. Hey, thank you so much. I'm glad you're in such good health. Thanks for taking the time to call. Uh, that's some perspective. Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. So one of the headlines you've heard us talking about in the news today is that the Supreme Court is hearing President Biden's proposal to forgive student loan debt. It's like $20,000 per person that will be forgiven. There are other details, but that's the basic gist. You have student loans. The president wants to wipe them clean and get rid of them, not make you pay them back. This is an abuse of the loan system. People should be held responsible for their personal economic choices. If you decided to take out a student loan, you decided to take out a student loan. Nobody made you, gun to your head, take out a student loan. There are lots of people who don't think they can afford to go to school, so they put it off and they save. Or they go to trade school. Or they find a good job that doesn't require either. Or they borrow from family. Or they do something. And some of them, it's a last resort that they borrow the money, but they sign up to borrow the money, and now the president says they shouldn't have to pay it back. This is about personal responsibility. And as a taxpayer, I don't want to pay for a bailout for anybody that decided to take out a student loan. Canceling student loans means penalizing people like me, like you if you've paid your loans back, like your son and daughter if they never went to college. Life is about choices, and people decided to take out these loans on their own. To wipe it out now is irresponsible. And let's talk about inflation for a moment. Do you think already soaring inflation is going to get any better when we juice the economy with billions of dollars in additional suddenly discretionary income coming for people who don't have to pay their loans back? And the president himself said at the beginning of this discussion he did not have the authority to do this. Well, you know what? When AOC and some of the others in the left wing of his party leaned on him hard enough, suddenly he had the authority and he changed his mind. He decided, you know what, I'm going to try to wipe all this out. This is not free. The loan companies who hold the debt are still going to get paid. He cannot wave his wand and make it disappear. They will get paid. I'm going to pay it. You're going to pay it. Everybody's going to pay it except the people who took it out. This is irresponsible. This is absolutely ridiculous. I think this is infuriating. What does this teach our kids Yeah, take out the loan and tend to pay it back. And you know what? Someday you might not have to. If you say that college tuition is too expensive and that's why we should be paying this stuff away for people, that's a different discussion. That is a different discussion, what college costs. I agree it's too expensive, by the way. But wiping out this debt doesn't take care of that. What are you doing for the people right now that are applying for loans right now? You have the same problem with school costing too much, and yet people are applying for loans. If you pay back your loan and this gets passed, you're going to look like a big dummy because you did the right thing. This is a terrible idea. Dr. John Raymond is the president and CEO of the Medical College of Wisconsin. Dr. Raymond, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Thank you, John. I want to start with something that's been in the news this week, and that is 
kind of an interesting report in how it's worded, but we may know more information about how COVID uh, became part of what we all had to deal with. What do we think we know about China and a possible origin? Yeah, thank you, John. Uh, this this week, the investigative branch of the Department of Energy um, made a statement that they'd done an investigation about the origin of COVID, and they said with low probability, so not a lot of confidence, that it was plausible that COVID originated from and leaked from a lab in China, and that would be the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Um, and this has been an idea that's been around for a long time. I think it is important if we can get to the bottom of where the pandemic started that we do that. Um, it's been difficult to get good information from the Chinese government, which has made it difficult. So as of now, the FBI and the Department of Energy have said with either low or moderate confidence that it's plausible that there was the virus escaped from a lab in China. Four other government agencies, though, said that there really isn't sufficient evidence to make that claim. But there are three possibilities for where the virus came from. The one that people believe is the most plausible is that it jumped from an animal to humans. And this has happened before with viruses in the past. The second is that um, in this lab, they were studying bat coronaviruses. And there was a laboratory accident where a naturally occurring bat coronavirus escaped from the lab and then was uh, infected a human being. The third possibility, which is less likely, is that this was a bioweapon or um, a gain-of-function virus that escaped from the lab. There is no genetic evidence, no fingerprints that would suggest that this was a modified virus. So it's possible that it was jumping from an animal to a human in nature or that it escaped from a lab. I just think it's strange that the probability is low that it may be plausible, but we report that. It's just, I mean, I guess there's a low probability. It could be many things. And I know you're not the reporting agency, but no. to me it just seems, I don't know, the headline is kind of strange. It, it is, but again, it's probably a naturally occurring virus that either jumped directly to a human or it could have escaped from the lab. And it is not a coincidence in many people's eyes that the main virology lab studying bat coronaviruses in China was in Wuhan. Are we better equipped, do you believe, Dr. Raymond, if something like this were to happen again, which it, it likely will, maybe not on this scale, but you already referenced this, some virus jumping from an animal to a human, it gets out of control. Are we better equipped, do you believe, than we were to handle that? Unfortunately, I don't believe that we are. We, we actually need to come together as a country and depoliticize um, potential pandemics, to secure our supply chain to stand up rapid testing uh, capabilities for both in a test tube to look at potential therapies for whatever the next pandemic is and to do clinical trials so that we don't get in that position that we were in before with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, which were popularized before we had the opportunity to really study them. Because yeah. certainly taking it out of the pol political realm and keeping it in the health realm, there are people who are going to be coping with long-term symptoms for a long time, thus calling it long COVID. But there are a lot of those symptoms that uh, I think people are going to have to deal with. And yesterday, Dr. Raymond, I almost called you to wish you a happy Anosmia Awareness Day was yesterday. <laughs> and what is anosmia? Okay, well, anosmia, it comes from Latin. An means no. Osmia means smell. So no smell. Uh -huh. So anosmia is a, a symptom that happens after many infections mostly from COVID, 
that causes people to lose their sense of smell. And that means they can't taste either because a large component of taste is smell. And it can be very debilitating. And it's one of the primary long COVID symptoms that people are suffering from after recovering from COVID infections. Um, the problem with it is we don't really understand much about why this happens. And the treatments aren't very good. That really, if you can't start doing what they call smell rehab, which is retraining your olfactory nerve to be able to recognize smells early, um, the prospects for recovery aren't great. That's not good to hear because someone in my household, he suspects that he had a bad cold or a virus mm-hmm. 15 years ago and lost his sense of smell. And we actually bought one of those smell tests or you know, smell mm-hmm. retraining. Yes. He, he Does it never come back? Any, no. Wow, no. after 15 years, and that's, that's obviously what, pre-COVID. Yeah, and yeah. It, exactly. Yeah. So I know this happens not just because of COVID, and I'm wondering, so do you think there are any, if enough people now suffer from anosmia, that there will be advances in maybe treatments or at least more people to study to try and get some Right, some the cure? National Institutes of Health does um, have money set aside to study long COVID, and anosmia is one of the primary um, bow-tie of the, the studies. One of the things we need to understand, the uh, olfactory nerve Um, is a direct connection from the nose to the brain. It's a primordial nerve. If you think about it, the sense of smell is probably the first sense that even bacteria develop so that Mm. they can move toward a nutrient substance, for example. Um, And so that direct connection really makes it vulnerable to attack by viruses and other toxins. Um, So I, I think we really do need to study it, and there's an effort to study it, but we don't know very much about it yet because it isn't just not being able to taste you know hot wings it can be oh the gas leak or something's burning and you, right. and you don't realize so it can really be a danger so sandy i knew you were going to ask the question because you you did mention it um yesterday and i asked J- dr john Ree, who's the chair of our department of otolaryngology about long covid and anosmia and he said that many people do recover um over time but the things don't taste the same anymore, or that they may lose their enjoyment of uh, substances they used to like. So, for example, enophiles or people that like wine um, can still taste it, but maybe they don't enjoy it as much, even if they recover somewhat. Interesting. Um, heart health, so important and a leading cause of problem in our country. A new study shows potassium-rich foods could improve heart health for women. Potentially good news. What do we know about that? It is good news. And, you know, we have not studied heart health in women adequately. There's been an overrepresentation of men. And so trying to understand what we can do to help deal with a really significant issue in women is important. And it's been known for a long time that potassium-rich foods can lower blood pressure, but they also seem to have another extra benefit in women just in terms of reducing the risk for heart disease. And those would be avocados and bananas uh, 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 many fruits and vegetables. So I think that is something that um, we should really look into as a lifestyle modification that could be helpful. I'm delighted to report that at least two female teammates uh, up in the kitchen this past week have been making avocado toast. So <laughs> that we're getting the message, some of us. <laughs> I like avocado toast. I like bananas, too. I was saying I saw uh, banana peel yeah. in the trash, too. So uh, we're, we're on our way to more potassium-rich foods and heart health. Yes. One more quick uh, question about women. Uh, another study showing black women of childbearing age more likely to have uncontrolled blood pressure than white women. What yeah. do we know about that? Yeah, that's true. And it, it goes along with a pattern of health disparities that predominantly afflict African-Americans in the United States. And uh, African-American women in particular may not have access to the health care that they need. 
um, and they um, that that may be one issue. But there are probably behavioral, societal, and genetic predispositions to hypertension that we don't quite understand. We do know they're called the social determinants of health. That where you're born, the zip code that you're in where you grow up, and your surroundings actually influence your overall health. So there's probably a connection to these social determinants of health with hypertension in black women. That is the reality. What's Dr. Raymond's good news of the week? The good news of the week is this is the year of mental health, according to Governor Evers' budget. And we've talked about this so many times in the past. Mental health is such a critical issue in our society now. And the fact that both parties are focusing on mental health, that it's a priority for the governor's proposed budget, I think is a very good thing to raise awareness. And hopefully there'll be some money there to help us start to deal with these really difficult mental health issues. Let's hope so. It's so critically important. Dr. John Raymond is the president and CEO of the Medical College of Wisconsin. Dr. Raymond, thank you so much. Thanks, John and Sandy.